0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus. Love talk radio.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner.
0: And I'm your co host, Brian J. Henderson.
2: Brian, what do we have tonight?
0: Man, I think we got an excellent show for tonight. I know we have some dynamic speakers that are our special guests tonight. And we're going to talk about something that, man, we need to talk about so bad. And I just, I can't even wait to get started.
2: You know what, I, I I applaud these gentlemen for doing what they're doing, and you know what, we're going to get to the root of this thing, we're going to really talk about some things, and I believe our guests uh, are definitely going to give us some pointers on some things that we can do, so if you're listening out there and you have a pen and a pad, please sit still. Brian, I know that they're going to bring it, I know that they're going to bring the truth, and they're going to talk about some things because this is the life that they're living, and they're touching these lives every single day
0: absolutely absolutely and if you haven't figured out what we're talking about today we're talking about our youth we're talking about the future of our 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 future and these two gentlemen we have with us tonight and I'm going to introduce them real shortly you know they are about our youth they are about helping they are about motivating they are about empowering our youth because we know right now, especially in the African-American community, there are not a lot of people out there empowering our youth, you know, getting our youth motivated, getting them ready to uh, to go out there into the future. You know, there's not a whole lot getting, getting them prepared, but we know that there are some out there that are doing that. And tonight we have two wonderful guests that we're just going to tell you, uh, they're going to inform you about what they're doing and how you can also Get empowered and get involved
2: yes sir I'm ready man let's let's go ahead and bring them in if you feel like bringing them in now, I'm ready because this is something that Brian we really really need to talk about, mm-hmm. and we really need to go into depth about it because you and I know from going into jails and detention centers how, how how tough how tough this is, but the kids do need us.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. tonight's guest we have Mr. Ricky Wiggins, and we have Mr. Ramon Alexander. And I want to introduce Mr. Rick Wiggins first because, well, just because I said his name first, but also because he's a dear friend of my family. He's a dear friend to me. He, you know, when I was young, he mentored me and he didn't even realize he was doing it. You know, he instilled things in me that he didn't even remember what he said. And I don't remember what he said, but I know the effect that they had on me and it helped to shape and mold me into the person I am today. So I'm going to introduce introduce him first. Mr. Wiggins is the project coordinator of the I Have a Dream Foundation in Miami, Florida, and the I Have a Dream uh, is a national network of programs who work towards helping to eliminate the barriers that may exist between young people and positive educational outcomes as they matriculate through the public school system. And also we have Mr. Rahman Alexander, who is a dear friend of mine, and he's a proud product of Tallahassee, Florida. Uh... And this is a community that has truly invested into his life and to his life blessings. He's a distinguished graduate of Florida A&M University, and he is the CEO President of Clutch Strategies, LLC. And the goal, the mission of of Clutch Strategies, I'm saying it all wrong. I'm going to let him tell you exactly what he does, but I'll just say that Clutch Strategies is a cutting-edge, specialized, full-service campaign consulting and community development firm based in Tallahassee and they provide high quality strategic management in the areas of campaign management, communication and community development. So we welcome both of you to our show tonight.
1: Thank you okay. very much, great. Brian. Welcome. It's great to guys. be
0: here.
2: Yes. Thank you guys for agreeing to come on the show because we know that what you have to offer is 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 expensive. I'll just say that. It's expensive and and, and it's too expensive for a lot of us out there that's bankrupt and not knowing what's going on. So I applaud your efforts, and I applaud everything that you're doing. Thank you very much.
0: Yes. Thank you. Now, I want to start off by asking Ramon. Ramon, I know you're a young guy. Don't, don't don't let me pick on you too much, but you're a young guy. And most people don't see young men going back and reaching back to get more young men. Usually it's, just us, it's us old guys doing that. Because we've been through the fire, and we, you know, we got a little burn here and there, so we, we got these battle scars, and so we don't want them to get them. But you know, tell us your story. Tell us why you, as a young person, felt the need to go back and
1: help our youth. Well, well Brian, I was blessed uh, growing up to have a, a God-fearing father uh, who provided structure in the household for my brother and I. Uh, my brother is uh, also a graduate of FAMU lives out in Texas now who's married and is supporting his family and and making the decisions that uh, meet manly deeds and um, providing the necessary environment for his family. And my father set a a positive example for us. Uh, He served as our our, our Boy Scout leader, our Cub Scout leader. He was a father for many of the other young men who had no father figure in their life. And so through that uh, classic example, uh, it showed me uh, what – I needed to do uh in my life and I've committed myself to providing that example for young black males and young men in general to ensure that they have some type of foundation to succeed and do the type of things they want to do in their lives. That's awesome, awesome.
0: Yeah, you know, and so let me ask the same question to Ricky. Now I, I know you're not a as you're you're young at heart. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs>
0: And so, what was your motivation you know because I know you have children of your own, and you know what would be your motivation for helping our youth i,
3: I think my motivation came uh very similar to uh the other brother on the other lines um uh, ultimate motivation, which was the fact that along the way uh, along the way of development there were of course the, the i call the inner circle of 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 my parents and I was I was blessed to have godparents. I'm not talking about godparents like we have today who uh kinda just uh get uh how should I say, marketed into becoming godparents for the socially fashionable or uh accepted to just in name only be a godparent. But I had real godparents who uh were in my family, uh my godparents actually at six weeks old took me into their house and they helped raise me. Uh, so I wound up actually with a double portion of, of parenting. I had my own mother and father, and then I my, had my godparents who uh, helped raise me. And they instilled in me so many things that were uh, unquantifiable. You couldn't you couldn't put a number next to what they poured into me uh, in, 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 in my developing years. And in spite of all the, the social challenges that certainly were glaringly obvious. In our community, uh, I was able to swim through a lot of those things because of the people who gave me uh, the, the, the kind of uh, personal vision that I, would, that I would lead and live with and in turn uh, recognize at, at, a, at another age, as I got older, that it was important for me to uh, not maintain or just hold that lesson or lessons, but to in turn give that back Uh, to other people who came from my community and elsewhere. So there is a great deal of uh, commonness in what the other brother just talked about uh, and myself when it comes to the whole issue of the reasons why you wind up doing what you do. Uh, I guess in a nutshell, it's it's a charge to keep that you wind up having and recognizing it to be so, you speak to it, and do the best you can while you have the opportunity to do some things with others, and so um, it's a real privilege.
2: Yes, sir. I tell you what, I I, I know it's hard. Um, people don't realize how hard it is to uh, not so much work with the youth, but work with other adults to try to get things done. Absolutely. Because, you know, so many people. Uh, Brian and I, we know. We we work with abstinence. We've gone into the jails or prisons, detention centers. And you know how people that work around these youth—they—they they work around them for a period of time, and they become hard. Mm-hmm. And they talk to the kids any old kind of way, and uh, and also into the in the churches, it's the same thing. When the kids come into Surely. the church, they they look at them and they look down on them, and the kids when they first come in there, they feel uncomfortable. Totally. And and, and they don't like it, so. Uh, some of us are as close to Christ as a lot of them will see. But when Mm -hmm. we are not performing the way that we should, And if we don't have our arms open with love, these kids will turn away. And it's hard to reach them. It's really, really hard to reach them um, after we do that. And my question is, what type of strategy should we have when we're dealing with kids that are going through? What's the strategy? I think I
3: think at least for me uh with the foundation even um uh, beyond the foundation and because I've I've been blessed to have a, a lot of different experiences but uh with the foundation and other things of of the recent experience I find the the kids that I run into looking at where they come from almost mirroring where I came from
2: mm-hmm.
3: there is an obvious kinship and so um I I, I, I think because of my own experiences, I can look at a kid and feel him or her in terms of where they're located, not that I take for granted anything, but I just can feel where they're located. I I, I feel them feeling inferior. I feel them uh, feeling without. Uh, I feel them not being connected. I feel them uh, not necessarily included in any uh, of the prevailing systems in their lives like schools, churches. Organizations or whatever, and and that they're floating, you know. Because I, I I used to feel like that that I was floating, and so um, the first thing I would say is uh, there is an identification that has to take place. The second thing I'd say is in the, with right after the identification has to be some form of an embrace. I'm not talking about necessarily a physical embrace, but a a, a an embrace either through your words or through your actions that that says to that young person, hey man, or hey young lady. I identify with you, and and, and whatever it is that you are, it's okay with me. And as as we do that, I allow you to also see me for what I am. I'm not hiding anything. You don't hide anything. And then we develop some kind of agreement on where we can work together in spite of those other things that may prevail uh, over our lives toward a better end for both of us. And so um, that will be the second thing. And the third thing is uh, without question to uh, find some way to uh, look into who are the real or the major players in terms of influence in the life of that young person. Now, it's not necessarily always mama or daddy. It could be an auntie or a grandmother or an uncle or a grandfather, or it could be um, somebody in the gang that they may have affiliated with already that has some incredible uh, credence and input input and influence in the life of that person. And um, therefore, it takes sometimes a great deal of personal courage to step out of and then step into some areas that we're not necessarily totally accustomed to, but still you make the call and you answer that call and say, well, I'm willing on, on this kid's behalf to step into that particular world because I care about that person. Right. What I'm saying to you, then, is an investment that needs to take place. Mm. And in turn, you know, some people love the surface investment. You ever see those pictures, and, and, and sometimes they do little cameo-type uh, things on television as well, where you see people putting up a new building, and you got the folks with a shirt and tie on, and they got the, 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 the uh, construction cap on, and they show up a little dirt, and they take the picture, and they put the shovel down, and they go about their business, because that's as far as they're going to dig the surface. And they're out there because that's just what the picture is saying. And yet we have a lot of people who are supposed providers uh, to our young people who do, the very, who, do, who do the very same thing. They just do the surface stuff. To me, that's spinning your wheels. You've got to figure out how much you really want to dig and how deep, how deep you want to go. And uh, in my mind, I'm willing to go all the way. Wow. So um, that's, that's, so think that's the, where it is for me.
1: The the brother answered the question um, correctly 100%. And just to add to that, um, I always tell young people, you know, faith has never been tested, cannot be trusted. And right. so, you know, you know, actions speak louder than words. And one of the one of the things I've recognized that, um, in interacting with young people and connecting with them um, that I never make an effort to mold them. I make an effort to help them unfold their own talents. Right. So oftentimes, uh, you know, adults we will attempt to to pressure and, and, and develop a, a, a young person that's something that they aren't instead of allowing them to open their own eyes and providing them a framework to grow and develop, to unfold their own talents. So I think that's critical from another standpoint of communicating to them. You know, I go by the three M's, you know, the method, the message, and the messenger. And so you have to have the the right method to go about communicating to them. So the brother said earlier, you know, what, what is your target audience? What connects with them? You have to have the right message and you have to have the right messenger. And so, so being a young man growing up, I can connect with them. And so I'm not too far from, from, from high school. I'm not too far from college. Here are some of my pitfalls. Here are some of the mistakes that I made in relationships. Here are some of the mistakes I made academically, but I was able to persevere and overcome. And based off of those decisions, these are my outcomes. Uh, you know, I tell them that the decisions that you make in life will determine how you live your life and here are some classic examples where, you know, young brothers and young sisters have made mistakes, but they've overcome, and this is where they are today. And if they can do it, you can do it as well. Awesome, awesome. Man,
0: I'm telling you, y'all giving out some good stuff, man. (laughs) Ooh, I tell you. You know, one thing that you talked about earlier, Ramon, you talked about structure. You know, and that's something that we see where a lot of our youth have been failed because they lack the proper structure. And even when they're in regular school, when someone tries to give them structure, it's almost as if they're trying to give them something bad because they, they, don't, they don't know how to accept structure. You know, here, here's my question. Do you believe that the school system in its current state and current form is designed to properly implement structure to our youth, or do you believe that they have really dropped the ball on how to instruct our youth?
1: Well, well, Brian, absolutely. The public school system is not designed to prepare our children for the real world. The public school system, in my opinion, is designed to teach them basic academic skills. Um, But it's one thing to have some general wisdom, but, to understand how to apply that wisdom in your life, is a whole another story. And mm-hmm. so uh, one of the things that, that, that I recognize is that our young people are not being prepared to deal with the realities of the world, the dangers of the world. And uh, through the programs that I initiate and the things that I I do working with my partners and, and other brothers who are trying to uplift and deal with the critical issues of our community is to create curriculums that allow young brothers and young sisters to actually apply uh, the realities of the world firsthand in a very structured um, setting. So, for example, we're running a, a summer enrichment program this summer, and our curriculum is 35% theory, but it is 65% application. It's one thing to sit in a classroom to hear, you know, the, the overall general dynamics of financial literacy about saving your money Hear about personal development and professional development. It's another thing to actually apply it in your life and put it into perspective of how it will help you and benefit you down the road. And so you're absolutely right. From the standpoint of um, you know the education system in America, um, I think we're falling very short, and that's why it's absolutely imperative that as a as a community uh, we 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 step up to the plate and we fill that void and we ensure that our children have. Real world experiences, and they're actually able to apply those experiences to develop themselves down the next phase of their lives. Mm.
0: And, and, Ricky, I want you to add to that. So, do you think that it, part of the reason is because, and, and I'm not saying this is like this is the whole uh, African American community, but do you believe that part of the reason why our children are not equipped is because in the African American community, there are there's a huge disconnect when well, it relates to education.
3: Yes. And and yet I I think um going back to your core question about the, the systematic embrace or non embrace uh that that doesn't happen for our kids, that is that is something well before the kid gets into the the system that be, that, that begins that kind of a mindset. And really it speaks to the the, the lack of organization um where he or she uh, is living, our kids live in some chaotic household situations in a, in, a, in a large number. It has very little to do with any other institutions that they will run into later on as they leave home. I'm just talking about at the crib where you got incredible mismanagement, chaotic behavior, Uh, dysfunctionalism and also a great deal of risky behavior that exists within the confines of what we may call a household amongst its members. And we also have, in a lot of cases, mixed and blended families. Mm -hmm. With that being said, the, the whole idea behind this, I guess this went out in the 50s, or I, I don't know when it actually went out, or when it became uh, involved. This whole nuclear family idea—that that we we missed all of that, cause that that was never real for us. Us meaning African American people in America,
1: for mm-hmm. real.
3: That 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 just was never us. We were always a blended group for the most part, and there were always uniquenesses uh, in our upbringing. But yes, um, and those uniquenesses were just like one family, mother, father, you know, all the all the siblings. Coming from the same parents, and boom that was that was that was all cool, and that was real. but in many other cases, there were blended families where you had other relatives who lived with you mm-hmm. uh, you had you had cousins and uncles and aunts sometimes and grandparents and even sometimes uh, people that were quote unquote, your blood relative living in your same household
2: mm-hmm. so
3: um that that is certainly the case today in, in in an even larger way than it was I'd say five, ten years ago because of the mobility issue, uh, when you attach it to the economics of, of, of how it uh, is as it pertains to economics and trying to live in, in this country with your head above water by, by some means. So um, before a kid gets to any system, we, we talked about the school system here at the beginning, um, he or she in a lot of cases is already walking in that direction with a lot of mismanaged baggage, baggage, uh, as opposed to books that are carrying their book bags, they're carrying a whole lot of weight of mismanaged behaviors, mismanaged attitudes, mismanaged ways of thought, and in turn they let that loose at their next destination. If it happens to be a school, then that's where we see it. So um, our schools are certainly not equipped for that. And as a matter of fact, I think uh, our schools are like that of um, a, a materi- some materials that, that people who bake cakes make. Um, you know, when people bake cakes, they sometimes use um, this thing called a sifter to, um, when they have flour, and they, they pour the flour in it and they press this this sifter that has like a bottom to it that's got little small holes in it. And ultimately, the fine parts of the flour gets through, and then they, the hard... The, the and a large parts that are too big to get through, they get left behind. And in turn, they get discarded at the end. And I think our schools are just like that, where um, for any kid that comes within the system who doesn't necessarily fit into what the school already has as a prescribed way of behavior and, and uh, mm-hmm. an achievement, if you will, um, then they get left out. They get left off. And the other reality behind that these days, they get left out and left off younger than they ever did in the history of this country. So, no, the schools certainly are not equipped uh, to be uh, by any means facilitative toward young people, uh, especially the public school system. Hmm. Hmm.
2: And, and how, how should we fix that problem? Um,
3: I, I, think, I think the first thing that, that has to happen, is to again go back to where our kids live, and 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 look at the communities that that are that are, are you know just just deteriorating in a huge way. Um, the things that were vogue for me as I grew up uh, in the neighborhood that I'm talking, I'm thinking about, and, and Brian comes from that same neighborhood. If you go back in that, that community right now, you see if 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 not all those things eroded you will see them at least eroding. Mm-hmm. And so um, there, there's a necessity for people within the community itself to stand up about something. I, I see our our community, uh, for the most part, resigned to whatever it is. And you, you, you name it, they just say, well, I guess that's the way it is. I can't do anything about it. We can't do anything about it. So we see the crime, we see the violence, we see um uh the lack of uh educational advancement uh that happens within, within our community schools. We we see um the fewer and fewer numbers of our kids uh even graduating high school uh and, and moving on to uh higher levels of academic academic endeavor. And so um I would say that we have to begin back in the communities and, and then also with those entities like our churches and uh community organizations that uh at least purport to say that they're involved and active uh on behalf of the community to really do something for real and make a real serious uh investment as opposed to just playing the game well let me i feel that i feel i feel i feel, I feel in essence a lot of our supposed um, i guess leaders and uh lead organizations are just kind of you know they are playing around and and they're glad handing as opposed to Uh, Really giving some real sweat equity toward uh, the craft of of making young people and communities better.
2: Yes. Well, let me ask this question. And and, and, and I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off. I want to ask this question. And uh, was it Ramon?
1: Yeah,
2: I'm here. Yeah. Let me ask this question. And and I'm and I'm wondering if you agree with me. When we when we're talking to our youth, you know how a kid when they do something that they're not supposed to do. So much time telling him what he shouldn't do, and he did this, and he shouldn't have done it, and and we spend so much time on the things that he shouldn't do that we don't teach them the way and talk about the way that he should do things. Do you do you think we spend um, too much time, I guess, on negative talk to, to when, when you're dealing with the kids? You know, like I said, when they do something wrong, oh, they beat them up with that. They beat them up with the words, and then they they tell them you know uh, it's a shame that you did this and you did that what about if we change that and talk about the way that he should do things and the way that um he he can do those things so what I'm, and what I'm really trying to say is we need to show these kids that there is a different way rather than just of words do, Well, do, do i you agree, with, agree
1: yeah I, first of all i agree with you 100% and uh And you you ask the question, what can we do to fix these problems? And we all recognize that the issues in our community are multifaceted and multidimensional. And so I believe we must come up with comprehensive strategies to address these issues from a very multidimensional and multifaceted manner. So it's not going to be a one-style, one-fit approach. There's going to be a myriad of ways to chip away at this parochial mentality that we have in our community. And so the brother made a a huge point in reference to the various organizations, the the religious groups, the fraternities, sororities, and their role and their functions and and, and what they must do in order to ensure that they play a critical role in addressing these issues. Um, And so one of the the ways uh, to answer the the second part of your question that I feel that we can go about addressing those issues is training and developing our next phase and, and wave of leaders in the black community. I think that we do a very uh, mediocre job in embracing our young black males and females um, at an early age and helping them develop and unfold their talents. I think a lot of people think that leadership comes natural. I don't believe in natural-born leaders. I believe that leadership is an acquired skill. And so as we see young men who are somewhat self-motivated, see young ladies who are self-motivated to a degree, the 6th and 7th, 8th graders, and they're on the brink. Uh, And they're self-motivated, but they're still at risk because there's still a great possibility for them to make decisions that could have a great impact on the rest of their lives. And so we have a responsibility to not mold them, but help them unfold their own talents and show them the opportunities that are within leadership, show them and equip them with the necessary skills so that they can go back in our communities and provide the next generation of leadership. Um, that is so critical. And so we absolutely do spend a lot of time in saying what a a student or a child should not be doing instead of showing them uh, a myriad of um, opportunities out there available for them so that they can go out and define their own destinies. And so we have a a summer enrichment program this summer, as I alluded to earlier, and we have five modules that we're focusing on, five areas. One of the areas being financial literacy and entrepreneurship, another area being uh, foreign affairs, teaching them about globalization, that there's a world outside of America and how we function and how we um, all fit into this old this global economy. The third one being um, African studies, advanced African studies, knowing who you are and what you are as a person and, and communal values. Another component that we have is personal development and professional development. And, um, and, and the last one is leadership and communication. And so what we've designed is to create an environment where our young men, because this program is specifically designed for young black men, it's called Distinguished Young Gentlemen, uh, where they will be able to uh, take the tools that are being provided to them and be surrounded in a hub of other young African-American males where they can rub off on each other, compete with each other to grow and develop, um, to move forward the progression of leadership in our community. So I'll give you one example. One of our models with entrepreneurship, our young men will learn how to develop a plan of action, a business plan, a budget. Um, they will present um, their, their budget um, via PowerPoint. And once they've presented their budget, we will give them some seed money of $100 or $150. And under the, the close watch of um, counselors, they will go out and they will start their businesses uh, over a four-week span of time to um, make money and profit off of that business. Uh, they will subsequently, once those dollars are raised, they will donate those dollars to some community service project, teach them about servant leadership and sacrifice. Um, they will come back um, and present their business findings through a SWOT analysis. We will teach sixth- and seventh- and eighth-graders about how to present a SWOT analysis and their business findings to talk about their weaknesses and their threats. We feel that they have all the skill sets and capacities. They can learn rap songs and they can learn all of these phrases and they are extremely intelligent. And so we have a responsibility of pushing them to the limit and creating opportunities that allow them to apply the knowledge that they're learning so that they can be prepared to take on the next generation of issues that our community has. And why? Because we have a crisis of leadership in the black community. Yes, Barack Obama's president of the United States, that's a good thing, but we still have a crisis of leadership on the ground level, in the trenches, and through training them and developing them and allowing them to acquire the skills of leadership, it will play a critical role in allowing us to address some of the issues that we have in our community.
0: Brother, I want to come to that class. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: come on, brother. We start we start June uh, 6th over on Fanny's campus, and we have seven phases for the program, and it runs from 10 to 4 p.m., and on off weeks we have brotherhood activities where they will be able to, you know, uh, grow and, and build relationships and, and ensure that they are bonding. And you're, you're from the north side, I'm from the south side, I'm from the west side, but we can put down our differences and work t- together towards a common goal in order to address the issues of our community.
2: How old no. are the youth? How old are you? real quick?
1: 24. Okay. Wow. You know, it's something you just said about
0: the north side versus the south side, and I want to allude to that a little bit. We have a, a alarming new trend of gang activity going on here in Tallahassee, but also in the south as a whole. And, you know, we talked about it earlier, the influences that uh, our young men may have. You know, why do you think, and this question is actually for you and for Ricky.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, okay. Why do you think these kids choose Gangs over, let's say, uh, Ricky Wiggins or Ramon Alexander. Um, I
3: think, I think, I think. In many cases, Brian, um, gangs have the great advantage of um, repeating their presence. In other words, you can count on the guys in the gang to be where they are every day. And on top of that, they also guarantee some other things too. They guarantee number one, and this this goes uh, kind of back to uh, things I talk about a lot when we talk about uh we all remember Abraham Maslow's uh, mm-hmm. his whole hierarchy of of, of, of of things that are important to us in terms of of needs. Uh, well, gangs they they fulfill those things. they they They, they provide protection, they provide nourishment. They provide shelter, they provide love as it is identified within the group, and it's for everybody who is a part of it. You take those four areas alone, and then you go even further than that, and compare that to what the kids what a lot of kids are not getting in the, in the again, the households that they come from. And so it becomes a very attractive thing. To be in a and, and quite honestly, if, if I were if I were growing up in this, in this in this present age right here, living in, in Miami, Florida, and, and, and looking at the landscape as it is, I know I know for sure, I would find myself quite um, uh, enticed by uh, the idea of joining up with the gang because they do have those structure those structural things in place. Now, of course. The 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 downside of the gang affiliation or membership is, is incredibly detrimental and deadly, and yet that has a glory attached to it um, that says if I if if already in my mind I'm saying that based on some of the music I listen to, based on what I see in the movies, based on what I read if I am reading at all, that my lifespan is between birth and twenty four twenty five then, hell, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out with a blast anyway, so why not go out just like that, being affiliated with a group like that, and, um, you know, at least people will be talking about me. You know, it, it becomes a warped kind of psychology working there, but then I find a, many young people, not just African Americans, because the gang affiliation issue has some, uh, is something that actually has eluded us uh, over, over time in America for quite a long time, and yet now that is changing you now see in in the the urban areas and even the uh, non-urban areas of America, uh, you know, the the development and and advent uh, in a very serious way of of African-American gang activity and very organized gang activity. But for those reasons that I mentioned before, that those areas of of, of shelter, food, love, nourishment, protection, those things are not at the house. And so... The gangs know that and say, "Hey, you know, you don't provide that for for Joe, but we got it over here for him, and we'll we'll, we'll leave him throwing some extras for him that you can't even pay for." And in turn, Joe is looking at that and saying, "Why not?"
1: Hmm, and, that, and that that
3: that that's the difference maker, brother.
1: Absolutely. In, in hmm. my in my day in my daytime job, I work in the mayor's office here in Tallahassee, All right. and so I, I recognize you know firsthand. Uh, the issues of of gangs that we have here regionally within the Big Bend region in Gadsden County and Leon County, and it it is becoming um, uh, an even uh, greater problem than what it is today. And he answered the question exactly. It's a lack of consistent interaction from the other side, and there is a consistent interaction from the gang side, which is drawing um, these young brothers and young sisters toward wanting to participate in those type of activities. And that's Mm -hmm. why I think it's so critical at an early age that we uh, embrace our young people and and allow them to see the opportunities of developing tangible skills. Correct. I think that we have gotten away um, from young people knowing tangible skills. Okay, yes, you, you know a little history, you know a little math, you can write. Those things are tangible. But I'm talking about tangible things outside of the general standard academics that you will receive in your K-12 education. Um, there's mm-hmm. certain things that I know how to do, like throw up drywall and uh, fix a computer and, and lay down a towel and, and change a tire. Those type of things I know how to do because I had a father in my life to ensure that my brother and I were outside in the heat with him while he did it. And mm-hmm. then we did it. And and, and and so as I develop my family and my brother grows his family, we have those skill sets, how to cut hair and do those type of day-to-day things. And so when young people are immersed and exposed to tangible skills, they have a means of having a legitimate hustle where that hustle is not selling drugs. Um, they're able to, you know, if they learn about graphic graphic design and th- they can take that and learn about marketing and, and media and communications and, and may go on to FAMU or FSU or Challenge right. Community College and get a degree in graphic communication. They can right. learn about culinary and how to cook, you know, right. and those types of things that are necessary. And so it's important that, yes... You know, we may not have the level of consistent interaction with young people the way the gangs would, because they're right there 24 uh, 7, 365. But what we can do is say, hey, there are other opportunities out there where you can make a little money and you can save your money and you can do some positive things and provide for yourself and it creates a sense of pride that, hey, there's something that I can do that is a net uh, positive and not a net detriment to society, whether it's cutting Absolutely. hair whether it's electrical, whatever it may be, and not saying, that, hey, this is all you can do because there are, this is just a means. Hey, you may be able to cut hair in eighth, ninth grade, and that's great. Um, and when you get to college, you may be the guy in the dorm room who pays for his books in college because he cuts everybody up on his floor or in the dorm. And so no it's, it's tangible that you can utilize, and I think that's critical that we teach our young brothers and sisters tangible skills so that we can close the social gap in America.
3: And, you know, to just you know, piggyback on what the brother was saying, you know, there's this whole deal, you know, we, we call it life skills, but, you know, there's a whole deal associated with, with having what we do call life skill ability. And, and the brother just outlined beautifully just some of the things that, that certainly can, can be involved and, and in play for, for our young people uh, very early in their lives. One of the things that I find very important uh, for any person uh, as, as they come up uh, uh, through this life, is being in, in a position to embrace success, not necessarily always failing, but to see some success that they are responsible for. It could be very small things, but as long as there's something that says, you know what, young man or young lady, you know, this was outstanding. You did a tremendous job with this. The, the things that go with being successful are like building building, in essence. And so if you can lay the groundwork for success very early, which is what we do with, with, with the Iowa Foundation, is, I mean, it, it could be very insignificant in the, in the appearance, but to have our kids become successful very early at some very small tasks, you know, things like being able to ask a question, things like being able to respond correctly when questioned. And then to even disagree and debate about an issue, I'm talking about at age, you know, six, seven years old, and then do it with a modicum of respect.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Those are things; those those wind up being tools that can be used later on in so many other areas. The brother outlined. I mean, and Brian, I'm I'm with you. I want to be in that class too uh, in June because that 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 sounds incredible. Uh, remember what you're getting ready to do because. Those are the kinds of things that wind up being the linchpins as you go along to what Ramon most talking about. And uh, what I've learned over the years uh, working with young people, uh, you know, I have a group right now uh, that I just – we call it cycling, um, that just uh, cycle. And what I mean by that is um, they are currently getting ready to graduate um, this year and the first part of next year. Uh, from college, we have um, a total of 97 young people that we started with in second grade, followed them all the way through 12th grade, and as they graduated 12th grade, for those young people who uh, academically qualified to be on somebody's college campus uh, around uh, this, this country, uh, uh, we, p- we then paid their tuition to go to school. And, um, you know, of the 97 people that uh, comprise that group, 80 of them uh, are seniors in college this year, and then of the remaining uh, 17, uh, 12 of them either went to some sort of vocational school, uh, be it Job Corps or the like, and have gotten uh, one of those life life skills that we were dealing with and embellished it to a point to where they now have their own businesses. And, and to be quite honest with you, they wound up being during the summer the employers of the rest of the eighty, uh, uh, a lot of the eighty uh, member group who were in college. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, that that's 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 how it is, and and that's how life uh, is in terms of, of of availability and opportunity, and also trying to make room uh, for everybody to to find where their niche is. I think that's an, also another. A topic of contention here because sometimes we, you know, even in my program, I, I have a great, I have great concern about the young man or the young lady who is not necessarily college—you call college material—who, who is not going to go to college. We don't, you don't throw away nobody just because he's not going to go to college. I know some very successful, incredibly successful people who never saw a college campus in their life.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know what I'm saying? But. Um, you know, the from 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 our national perspective, we want everybody to go to college, and, I, and I've been fighting that very strongly because I used the example of, and I'll be very quick with this, of one young man, and I know he would not mind me using his name in this in this forum tonight. His name is Avanti Thompson. Avanti Thompson, uh, I, I met, I've been a time when we adopted this group of kids. Uh, I have a dream students at Charlesville Elementary School in Miami, Florida, second grade group of kids. And from the onset, Avanti was a clown. I mean, a, a real clown. And uh, as, as we went from second grade to sixth grade, he was still what he was. And with all the things that we were offering those kids in terms of uh, 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 skill-building type activities, of, of character-building activities, and uh, social, de- pro-social development activities and programs, and, and parenting programs for the for the parents, we even worked at a, a thing where we got our parents of those kids, the opportunity to go back to college or to, to finish high school. We worked those things out. And then we also had this thing with uh, mothers who had never been employed before because they were not public assistance, assistants. And we got them jobs uh, for the very first time in the, in the work world. So all, with all that happening, my, my boy Avanti was still clowning. We get to 11th grade, and uh, Avanti's several credits behind. And I remember in the hallways of Miami Northwestern Senior High School, I know you guys have heard of that school, um, Avanti stops me and says, Mr. Williams, he said, would you be upset with me if I went to Job Corps? And I said, Avanti, of course not. He said, because to be quite honest with you, I'm not going to make this. And I said, tell me what you mean. He said, I'm not going to graduate. He said, I'm so far away credit-wise. All I know is I can do things with my hands, and I have a good mind in other areas beyond what the school is offering, and I want to go someplace that gives me a chance to expand what I know. Well, I went with Avanti and his mother to an orientation at, at the Job Corps program, which was, you know, about 15, 20 minutes away from where Northwestern is, and they did an orientation, and it was wonderful. I was I was, I was, really moved by what the, the speaker was talking about, and I could look at Avanti Avanti, and see his, his growing interest and ultimately his mother's interest. Avanti enrolled got his high school diploma like the other kids who were, who were at the other high schools, finished number one in his class at Job Corps, got a skill, went to training and got certified as a plumber and an electrician. And now Avanti has his own company, and he employs 16 people uh, full time. And in the summertime, as I was saying earlier, he makes opportunities available for his uh, compatriots who would school them him for summer jobs as they are at the various colleges and universities around the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. And I want to throw that in because it's essential for us to know that we have to look at the entire pie when we talk about our kids, when we talk about opportunities, when we talk about getting them beyond where they are because there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all kind of concept that works. Absolutely.
0: Awesome, awesome. You know, I want you all to talk a little bit about the companies that you work for, okay. uh, the companies that you have. You know, because we want to give you guys an opportunity to get, you know, the information out about what you do, so that others who may want to get involved, you know, can contact you, call you, email you, what have you. Sure.
1: Okay, Ramon, you go ahead. I got it. You go ahead, brother. Okay. Uh, well, outside of being in the mayor's office, I have a company uh, called Clutch Strategies. Um, listeners can visit www.clustrategies.com, and it's a threefold uh, uh, business. We do communication, um, speech writing um, uh, for clients, uh, as well as community development, philanthropy development uh, for clients, and then political consulting. I uh, attended uh, Advanced Campaign Management School, a certified campaign manager, and so we work with grassroots campaigning from uh, messaging and marketing campaigns, local campaigns, and involved in some statewide campaigns, uh, and we do a myriad of other things as well in the community, um, but those are the three main areas, um, communication, uh, we'll do uh, private speech lessons for clients, um, for young people preparing for graduation speeches, or young people um, getting ready for different events, or adults doing Toastmasters. masters, uh, we do uh, that line of work, as well as the philanthropy, uh, building and developing foundations, consulting them, giving strategic directions. Uh, for them to develop and grow and to make a net impact uh, to society.
3: Okay. All
0: right. Go ahead, Ricky.
3: Um, well, I have been as a, as a national uh, network of programs that uh, actually has extended itself now over to New Zealand. We actually have a, a chapter of our program in New Zealand, and I'm, I'm going to get a chance to go uh, to New Zealand next summer to, uh, to visit that particular site. Um, we have 11 chapters in Miami and about 80 or so uh, chapters around uh, around the country. Uh, we've served over 100,000 young people since 1981 um, with uh, getting them, uh, for the most part, um, attached to the idea of, of, of high school graduation and then going on into college by paying um, their tuition t- uh, to go to college. Recognizing also that um, the difference between state schools versus private schools now these days are almost uh, running neck and neck, Uh, it gets to be somewhat of a a costly proposition. But we we recognize that uh, through a lot of the affiliations that we have with individuals, uh, some uh, organizations, and a lot of um, families uh, around this country who have the interest of education at heart, uh, they're the ones who wind up being a part of the sponsorship piece uh, for I Have a Dream, um, the way I Have a Dream works is that it does have to have at the very head of it uh, a financial sponsorship that agrees to actually place uh, an, an account uh, in the bank on behalf of a specific group of young people that they want to sponsor uh, for whatever grade they go into uh, to sponsoring them through high school and then uh into the college piece and then paying the college tuition. We find that most sponsors like the idea of, uh, of working with the young group, so uh, they, they may adopt them early, academically speaking, adopt them early on <coughs> in the elementary age uh, years and uh, then follow them with varying programs. Um heard the brother talk about the, the issue of um, business planning and uh, financial planning and uh, the, the, the whole world of money management. That that that's one of the things that that we certainly introduce our kids to uh, right around fourth fifth grade and then it gets larger and and bigger and better from there. There's also uh, uh, an area that that certainly seems to uh, elude us a lot these days as our young people, which is communication, uh, verbal communication in particular, being able to to speak in front of groups of people with some modicum of articulation and certainly getting getting your your thoughts across and understood, um, and then there's the the, the piece about uh, your, your history, your 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 place in the world, uh, talking about your your, your family uh, and where it came from and uh, where it is currently and how you can uh, embellish and make the, the history of your family uh, even greater than what it currently may stand at, and uh, there's also the piece that we get into, which is. Uh, the college and the, and the ready, we call it ready for the world component, which there's college and vocational experience, um, uh, those two tracks. And then there's a third track, which is which is entrepreneurial, because um, we do have uh, a few right kids who who ventured off into personal uh, entrepreneurism, which is so exciting and wonderful to see uh, that they have a dream, uh, just like the program, they have a dream that they've been holding for quite some time and, and they've gone through the, the preparatory things to uh, to get it off the ground. I'm very proud of those young people for that. Um, we can be contacted uh, by a couple of different ways. We have a national website, which is IHaveADreamFoundation.org, and then uh, we have the local chapter of Miami. Uh, you can go IHAD.org uh, slash Miami, uh, and uh, that gives you information about the chapters here in Miami. However, we have chapters in just about every major city uh, around the country, and I'm looking for more people and individuals. There are varying ways that one can uh, become a sponsor. You can become a friend of the program by sponsoring a child uh, only. because you, you can sponsor uh, as, as few as that one or as many as 100 or so, uh, you know, that, we, that, 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 that you may want to, um, uh, you know, delve into, but that's your choice. And the way to always get me uh, personally is through my email address, which is Ricky Dream uh, at Aol.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-H-A-S-A-D-R-E-A-M uh, at AOL.com. And then um, I mentioned our, our national uh, uh, email address. Um, I I have a dream uh, foundation <laughs> And a number for me is uh three oh five four nine one zero one one eight. And uh, I really appreciate some some response i I must say to uh to the two gentlemen hosting this show. this is a great uh, time for me because I get a chance to um listen and, and I've, I've heard for a moment what he's doing in, in Tallahassee. that is that's is so that's just beautiful, man yeah. and it, and it makes me feel good to know that that there are other people out here doing some stuff just to help somebody. That that that
1: that's just
0: just just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I concur with that. I, you know, just both of you individuals. I mean, just to hear what you guys have going on is just remarkable, and you know, and it's part of the reason why we wanted to bring you on the show because we yeah. talk to so many people, and what we find, you know, myself and Greg, what we find ourselves doing a lot is having to be, if not direct mentors, surrogate mentors yeah. for people because they will come up and say, hey, will you talk to my son? Will you talk to my daughter? You know, will you help us? And, you know, it's not enough of us to go around.
3: <laughs> That's true.
0: You know, and so we'll right try to that. guide them and, and steer them in the right direction, you know, but if you can imagine, you know, in the many things that Greg and I do, you know, we go out and we do our speaking engagements. We have our normal lives that we live as well. You know, it seems that we keep trying to find more people so we can say, here, talk to this person. Here, talk to that person. Right. Because sometimes we get ourselves spread a little too thin. Sure. You know, but it's just absolutely awesome, you know, the both of the programs that you have. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually really excited about Ramon's program because he's going to be here in town. And I get to, you know, he's already said, come on by. So I get to peek in every now and then to see yeah. how the kids are progressing. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, let me let me let me ask for a question. question. Um, in terms of of your uh, program that you're going to be doing in June, um, how could I uh, read about your 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 experiences with the with the young people, and how could I keep what you guys are doing? The reason why I ask that is um, within the I have a dream experience, you know, a lot of our stuff is, is is truly academic, and then there's the the social piece. I'm looking forward to um, trying to, um, as our kids get older, get more avenues for them to explore, and I, I heard you say a few things that, that really piqued my interest. i'd like to to myself learn more about about what you guys are doing in Tallahassee. That would just be it'd be a great thing.
1: Great. Well, throughout the duration of the program, uh, we will uh, the young men will develop an electronic newsletter. Okay. And it will cover some of the, uh, the program activities um, f- from the standpoint of, you know, resume development. They all will develop a biographical sketch. Uh, some of the personal professional development pieces uh, will have in- impromptu speaking. They'll do point-to-point debating. So there will be a myriad of different activities. They will participate. And so okay. they'll be able to, you know, utilize our electronic email uh, to send out to our supporters and to their to their parents. Uh, family to update them on what's going on and it serves as a you know as a as a as a tracking system as well to show their progression and in, the, in their development to, uh, over the duration of the summer as they go through the program.
3: That's outstanding.
1: Awesome.
0: Beautiful. Man, it's like you thought of everything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well it's it's been a it's been a, it's been a two and a half year process. Um mm-hmm. uh, several brothers we came together and I uh, started brainstorming and pontificating and think about thinking about what we could do in order to to deal with some of the issues that our community faces. And we we saw this as one one approach to go about addressing those issues. We we plan on expanding this this development um, this, this program throughout the state. Um, we're, we're blessed to have it on the campus of FAMU uh, and, and working, and it would be a wonderful thing if we could have this as a statewide program where we brought several hundred young African-American males from Miami to Tampa, Orlando, and brought them up on family's campus and put them through an accelerated experience. Uh, One is creating contacts and networks that they will be able to leverage and utilize as tools and resources as they matriculate throughout life. And what it does, it also breaks down these barriers, um, this parochial mentality, and it teaches us that we have to work together and and stay together in order to address the critical issues that we face as, as a community. Uh, it, 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 creates, it creates the necessary mindset. It, it preconditions them to interact with each other, uh, to have a communal thought process in order mm-hmm. to progress us. Gentlemen, we are out of time. I just want to okay. thank you both for okay. joining us on the Abundance
0: Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, have more. We ask you that you please come back and join us on Wednesday night as we'll have another exciting show. We thank you, good evening, and God bless you all. Thank,
2: thank
3: you, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Brian.
0: Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Great. Bye now. Hello. It is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing?